Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. I had to text my friends that root for the Browns last night and tell them, I am so sorry. I think I jinxed your team. It's the first time in my life I've ever rooted for the Browns to win, and then they lost. Joe Flacco, who plays for the Browns, quarterback for the Browns, threw more interceptions in his five games than C.J. Stroud, who plays for Texas and went to the Ohio State University. Flacco threw more interceptions in those five games that he played than C.J. Stroud threw all season long. C.J. Stroud uh, is one of only three quarterbacks to lead the league in passing yards and touchdown to turnover ratio. Only three quarterbacks have ever done that in their entire, in their entire careers. Lead the league in passing yards and touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady. Except C.J. Stroud did it as a rookie. And then he has the audacity after he beats the Browns to get interviewed and he says... The first thing I want to do is thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Back in uh, training camp, C.J. Stroud held, held a press conference. He said, my whole purpose in life is to promote Jesus Christ. And if I have to use the platform of football to do it, I'm going to do it. And I want to win too. And I, I just think it's awesome. Now, it would be weird if you walked into your uh, direct report and turned in your direct report on Monday and said, as I'm turning this in, I just want to thank my Lord and Jesus, Savior Christ. If you did that in your workplace. But the reason why it's weird is because that's not the only time that you ever get to talk. The only time we ever hear C.J. Stroud is being interviewed after a win or after a loss. And he uses that time to tell people about Jesus. I think we should take on that same type of attitude to use our time and whatever platform we have. And we may only have the platform of the dinner table. We may only have the platform of playing video games. We may only have the platform of being in the library. We may only have the platform of hanging out with friends. But whatever platform we have, we should take that same attitude and use that time to tell people about Jesus. And I think if, if we would want to do that, we're going to have to follow the pattern set forth by the first church in the New Testament. Before we look at Acts chapter 4 and 5, uh, allow me to pray for us and ask for help from God in understanding and then putting this pattern into action. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have uh, such a faithful witness in C.J. Stroud. I ask that you continue to bless him. Put your favor on him so he can continue to grow his uh, followers on Instagram and Twitter and uh, in the sports world and just so he can continue to promote your name. And Lord, uh, I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to promote your name wherever we can and uh, in whatever platform we have available to us. Would you allow us to tell people about Jesus? Lord, today as we open the scripture... I ask that you would change our hearts and our minds, our character, to be more like Jesus Christ, your son. So we ask that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit, and we ask that you would put your favor on us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would allow me to, in Acts chapter 
one, two, and three, God is telling us through the author and historian and Dr. Luke about how the first church came about. And the first church uh, responded to Peter's message and and 3,000 people were saved that day, responding in repentance and baptism. And you, you have a mega church immediately. And then as the apostles continued to teach, God supplied their teaching with these outstanding, miraculous events. And so much so that the local religious leaders got jealous and angry. And in chapter 4 of Acts, we find that uh, Peter and John have healed in the name of Jesus, and then they were arrested, and they were brought before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was this, uh, the ruling body of the, of the Jewish sect in Jerusalem. And when the Sanhedrin met, that meant there were 70 people that would sit in a semicircle, and that's who Peter and John had to stand in front of. And the leader of the Sanhedrin would say to them, what in the world are you doing? Why are you preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus? And how did this man get healed? They were very upset and very angry. And Peter took that moment to say, well, he was healed in the name of Jesus. And the Sanhedrin said, do not teach in the name of this man ever again. And they let Peter and John go And when you know it, Peter and John said, we have to obey God rather than men. And they kept teaching in the name of Jesus. But one of the first things they did, one of the first things they did, we find in chapter 4. And this is a pattern that we would need to follow. Chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. What they did when they were attacked by the Sanhedrin, when they were told to be quiet about Jesus, the very first thing they did was pray. And this is the pattern, one of the patterns that we need to follow from the New Testament church in our own lives. We need to pray. If we want to tell people about Jesus and we want to follow the pattern of the New Testament and we want to uh, be an example, if we want to follow the attitude of C.J. Stroud, whatever platform we have, the very first thing we want to do is give thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to pray. In chapter 4 of Acts, verses 29 and 30, this is part of their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They were just threatened. They were told, don't teach in this name. So what did they pray for? They didn't pray that their threats would be taken away. They didn't pray for protection. They prayed for courage to continue to share the name of Jesus Christ. And they prayed for God to show up. They prayed for more courage and more God. Isn't that incredible? When I, I uh, am a part of a prayer group that meets on Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. on Facebook. Anybody is welcome to join. And we take prayer requests all the time. And we pray for one another online. And we have people literally meeting with us all over the world. You can join us too. It's a great way to start your day. It's before you go to work, before you go to school. That's what we're trying to capture, that moment where we pray. And some people, they jump on and say, Dale, I would pray for you, but this is too early. I'm going back to sleep. It's okay. It's okay. But, you know, a lot of times the prayer requests that come in, and, and I do this too, are like, I'm, I want to pray for, like, my aching back, and I want to pray that the sun shines, you know, eventually in, in Wilmington, and I want to pray for, uh, you know, my cat that was sick. I want to pray for all those things. But I notice when I read the Bible that they're praying to spread the name of Jesus Christ. They're praying for maturity in Jesus Christ. 
They're praying for being an example of Jesus Christ. And the apostles here, they're threatened, and they pray for more courage and more God on the name of Jesus Christ. I think this is a great example and a great pattern for us to participate in if we want to be like the healthy part of that first church, the healthy part of the apostles' teaching, the healthy part of being a Christ follower. I think we should pray. I think that's the first pattern we should follow. We should follow the patterns of the first church. Uh, I put it in a rhyme, so hopefully we remember it. Pray is the first one. Pray, obey, say, and replay. Replay. Pray, obey, say, and replay. Replay. Pray, obey, say, and replay. Oh, replay. Pray, obey, say, and replay. One more time. Obey, And the first part is pray. And we have to pray for more courage and more God. We've been praying in our church the last couple of years that we would have spiritual grandfathers. And what that means is someone teaches someone about Jesus Christ and they teach them to follow Jesus Christ and they do it in such a way that that new convert to Jesus teaches somebody else about Jesus Christ and how to follow Jesus Christ. Dylan Cole was baptized in 2023 or 22. It's been real, I think it was 23, last year. Dylan Cole was baptized last year. And he uh, likes to say that Dow Tippett and Jake Green have great influence on his walk with Christ. And now Dylan is starting to tell some of his friends about Jesus. And Dow called me the other day and he said, who's the spiritual grandpa? Is it me or Jake? Because Dylan is telling somebody, but I influenced him and so is Jake. And I told him, we're just going to have to share the credit. You both get to be spiritual grandpas. Today, in the second hour, Kayla is going to be baptized by her brother, Joe. Joe, when were you baptized? Last year. Last year. Well, Joe says... Uh, Tim Miller and Jeff Swearingen and Ed Blouse and Jacob Blouse have all influenced him. And now Joe is influencing his sister to be baptized. Who's the spiritual grandpa, Joe? Who's the oldest? Jeff Swearingen? We'll just call him the spirit. Okay. We've been praying for this. More courage and more God. More courage and more God. And you know, when we have the courage to share, God really does show up and begin to change lives. This is how the first church did it, and this is how we have to do it. We have to follow this pattern laid out for us. Pray, obey, say, and replay. Oh, pray, obey, say, and replay. They, they prayed first. And we need to do that too. Not only do we need to pray, but we also need to obey Now, following that first encounter with the Sanhedrin, uh, John and Peter continued to speak the name of Jesus, and God continued to show up, and more people were healed. Well, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, they got very angry at this, very jealous. And um, I want to read this passage of Scripture. It's out of chapter 5. They're they're so angry, they go and arrest all the apostles, all 12 of them. Not just Peter and John, but all 12 apostles. And they put them in prison, and they're going to bring them before the 70. And now now they're going to beat them because they're not obeying. But I want you to see how uh, Peter and John... And the apostles, they say, we're going to obey. But I want, to hear, I want you to hear the whole section. So if you would allow me to, I want to read chapter 5, verses 17 through 42. It's a, it's a big chunk of scripture, but it kind of tells the whole story. And it shows you where they're obeying. 
Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Remember, they had spoken in the name of Jesus and healed people in the name of Jesus. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, the angel said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. Oh, you know what? That's a, that's a translation. I, I wanted to use a different translation. Let me start again. I noticed because that word new life, that word new is not in the... Anyway. They laid hands on the apostles, put them in public jail, but, but uh, during the night, angel Lord opened the gates of the prison, taking them out. He said, go, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered in the temple courts about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even all the synod of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for the apostles to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors, but when we had opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they brought them, they stood before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and as a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Notice that Peter used the platform given to him. He was in front of 70. It had to be intimidating, but he said, I just want to thank my Lord and Jesus, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the first thing I have to do. That's my whole purpose. And they said, well, you're not allowed to do that. And they, he said, well, we have to obey God. Now, when you think about the obedience here of what they're doing, they remembered Jesus explaining to them their purpose, their goal, their marching orders. And he explains it, it's recorded in each one of the Gospels and in Acts. Matthew, one of the apostles of Jesus, records it in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark, I think, was around Jesus, but he recorded the Peter, uh, Apostle Peter's words. And here's how Mark recorded it in Mark 16. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who disbelieves shall be condemned. Luke, the doctor we're reading right now, the historian, he went around and interviewed everybody he could find that knew and had seen Jesus. I think he interviewed Mary, Jesus' mother, because he tells some birth stories that no one else would have known. Luke records this. He says, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and then Jesus said to him, 
them, the apostles. Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. It's the same, it's the same marching orders. Use your platform to tell people about me, Jesus is saying. John, a, a, an apostle of Jesus, I think one of Jesus' cousin, he says, I recorded this. Jesus said to us, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then Luke records again in Acts chapter 1. The apostle said, Lord, is it the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, that doesn't really matter. Here's what matters. You have been given authority. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And then when the apostles were in prison by the Sanhedrin, an angel of the Lord shows up, sets them out of the prison miraculously through the doors. We don't know how he did it. And the angel says to them, go continue to tell people about this life. And so that's what they do. They have to obey Jesus. They have to obey Jesus. They have to tell people about Jesus. They cannot hold back. They cannot be scared of people. And so when they're surrounded by the 70 Sanhedrin and they're right in the middle, surrounded, that, that has to be intimidating. And yet they said, I am going to obey God rather than worry about what you think about me. And C.J. Stroud has to be getting pushback on this. Some people have got to be telling him, just shut up and play ball. And he says, I have to do what Jesus told me to do. Kayla, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to bring you up again. Kayla is shy. She hates being the center of attention. She would prefer a private baptism. And she said, I have made a commitment and a promise to God to be baptized in front of people because she wants to obey God. She said, I made a promise to God and I can't break that promise. Well, what did we do when we gave ourselves to Christ? Didn't we promise to obey him in everything, make him our Lord and Savior? And his instructions to the apostles are the same instructions to us. We need to obey. We need to be a witness for Jesus. There is a great danger of being connected to Christ. The danger is this. After three to six months, most Christians never tell another soul about Jesus ever again. In that first three to six months, we're on fire for the Lord. The most converts are made from new converts who are excited about their faith, excited about the change Jesus made into them. And somewhere along the line, we stop telling people about Jesus. But don't you know we have to obey God rather than man. Don't you know we have to obey God rather than fear man? Don't you know that we have been given a platform wherever you're at? Maybe you're in a family. Maybe you're with some friends. Maybe you're at work. Wherever you're at, you have, even if you're just in a conversation with someone, you, that is your platform to also share something about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know what it is. I don't know how the conversation is going to go because every conversation is going to be different, but you can sneak Jesus in there. 
It may be that you are like Stroud and you turn in your direct reports. I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for this report. It may be that's your, that's your platform. But I bet you have conversations that are more than that. I bet you can have conversations more than that. But we have to obey. We have to pray and then obey. And then we have to say. Notice that Peter in Acts 5, 29 through 32, he gives the gospel presentation in, in as, as few words, almost as few words as you can do it. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging him on the cross. Well, we have Jesus there. We have his death on the cross. We have the resurrection. He is the one, the Messiah, the Christ, the, the one whom God exalted to his right hand as prince and savior. This is calling back to their own history because in, the prophet Daniel says the Messiah is going to be lifted up to the right hand of God. He's going to be the ruler over all people to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. This is the charge Jesus gave to the apostles. It's our charge too. And Peter and the apostles said, we are witness of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. God is also a witness And we have to obey and say. Pray, obey, say. We just started a community effort with community churches to teach eighth graders Bible education. Eighth graders in our city school. It's a law. We're allowed to do this. We we have to do it by parental permission. We have to not do it on school grounds. And we have to not use any public funds. So we just started this last week. We went into the middle school. We got the eighth graders out for lunchtime. We walked them across the school parking lot into the parking lot of the Assemblies of God. And we began to teach them about Jesus. And we have to do it fast. We get their lunch period. So by the time they get from the school over there, I have to teach real quick. We give them into, we have a little breakout groups where they can ask questions. We have time basically for one or two questions. They have to eat lunch while we're there. We feed them pizza. We had one student show up just because we had pizza, not because they want to learn the Bible. That's okay. We're using our platform to tell people about Jesus. And then we have to get them back to school. But we're, we want to teach them how to tell people about Jesus. One of the things we're going to teach them this week is we're going to teach them a way to tell people about Jesus. We are going to give them this bracelet that has four symbols on it. We're going to say, hey, you can give this to a friend and invite them to our release time Bible study. And here are the four symbols. This is kind of, this is kind of fun. And you can use these symbols too. You can use these symbols too if you want. It's a heart, a division symbol, a cross, and a question mark. It's on a bracelet. God loves us, but we're separated, divided from him because we have rebelled. We've shamed ourselves. We have no power, really kind of weak. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to bring us back to the heart of God. Will you follow Jesus? It's simple. It has the whole gospel presentation in it. It has the guilt an innocent part of our gospel. We are all guilty before God because we've all rebelled against him. And so Jesus Christ died on the cross to cover and pay for our sins, declaring us not guilty. It has the shame honor part of the gospel. We have shamed ourselves in our rebellion. 
We have done something that dishonors God. But Jesus is dishonored on the cross so that we could get honor back and be in a relationship with God. And it has this power weakness. We are powerless to save ourselves. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to give us the power of himself within us, the Holy Spirit, so that we would have all authority with him on earth. Well, what's the authority for? It's to pray and to obey and to say, to share Jesus. And this question, I love this question. It's one of the few quick presentations that has the question built into it. Will you follow Jesus too? And so we're going to say to these eighth graders, give a friend this bracelet, explain what the symbols mean, and tell them they can come hear about Jesus and have pizza at their lunchtime. They have to get their parents' permission, but they can do it. Well, I think we could probably do this, right? Heart, division, cross, and question mark. There's a, another, um, Wayne Woody is, is the youth minister over at Calvary Baptist. He said, Dale, I've got all sorts of, I've got all sorts of things. Here's another one you could use. I said, Wayne, I, oh, and then he showed me, he told me. He said, Jesus came down to earth to be with us, to restore us back to God. And he was killed on a cross and buried in a cave. But after three days, he rose from the dead because he is God to earth and he can save us. And one day, he's going to come back to get us. The only thing that's missing is that question mark. Will you now follow Jesus? I think if we would say these type of things to using our platform wherever we get a chance, we will have an influence on others. And, and we don't have to worry if they accept it or not, but if they do accept it, we need to be able to continue to teach them how to obey Jesus, continue to be a disciple. And we need to remind them, okay, now that you are following Jesus, you need to tell people about Jesus too. That's your marching orders. That's your goal. This is how you live in the kingdom. If we're living in the kingdom of God and we're doing the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, we are going to obey him. So we're going to pray, we're going to obey, and we're going to say the gospel. And finally, we are going to do the replay. <laughs> this is so great. At the conclusion of Acts chapter 5, the Sanhedrin um, hear the gospel presentation, and they say, we're going to kill these guys. Fortunately, somebody in the Sanhedrin said, named Gamil, he said, hey, wait a second, guys. Uh, don't kill them yet. Be careful what you do with these guys. If it's not of God, God's going to take care of them. He's going to get rid of them. If, it is of God, if, if this group is of God, um, you're going to be fighting against God. So just kind of let them go and see what happens. So the Sanhedrin, they said, okay, we'll do that. But first, we're going to flog them. We're going to beat them with whips. Then we'll let them go. So they beat the apostles and then let them go. Then what do you think the apostles did? You think they said, oh, woe is me. Pray for our injuries to heal. No. Pray that Sanhedrin gets killed. No, they didn't do that. They went away, chapter 5, verse 41 through 42. They went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. They thought, man, we have joined with Jesus in his suffering. This is, we're rejoicing because of this. And here's the replay. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Pray 
Obey, say, replay. Not repeat, it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> replay. So here, here's our takeaway. Here's our takeaway. One thing to remember and two things to do. Maybe three things to do, but I've got two on the screen. I, we need to remember this. We need to remember that you can trust God with how people respond. Remember this. Trust God with how people respond. I want, I want to tell you why you need to trust God. We don't control how people respond to the gospel. We can only control whether we are faithful in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Let me repeat that. We do not control how people respond when we share the gospel. We can only control whether we actually share the gospel. So we have to trust God with the response. Now, we can control whether we're gracious and winsome, and whether we teach the truth with grace, whether we offer forgiveness, whether we're humble in our approach, but we cannot control how people respond. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gives almost the same message as in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus says, G, uh, Peter says to the crowd, he says, Jesus is the Messiah and you killed him. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, the people were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do? And Peter responded, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. It's not just for you, but anybody. But in Acts chapter 5, Peter gives the exact same message. Jesus is the Messiah and you killed him. And it says the Sanhedrin, chapter 5, verse 33, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said, we want to kill you. See, Peter doesn't have control over how they respond. He just has to be faithful by sharing and then trust God with however they respond. And so he did. One time Peter prays, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people join the church. The next time Peter <laughs> gives the same message, it's the same sermon, they were ready to kill him. I have two cousins. They, they come from uh, two cousins, brother and sister. And uh, I don't recommend sharing Jesus this way, but their grandmother, so not connected to me. So two cousins, Don and Melissa, their grandmother, okay, I'd only be related somehow. I don't know how that works. Their grandmother, when they were younger, wrote them a letter and basically the same letter. My cousin Don has told me this. He said, my grandmother wrote us both a letter and it basically said this, if you don't change, you're going to go to hell. And Donnie, my cousin, it convicted him. It cut him to the heart. He changed, gave his life to Christ, became a missionary. My cousin Melissa, it cut her to the heart. and She was angry. And she hasn't wanted anything to do with Christianity ever since. See, I don't recommend that's the way you share the gospel. But the response has nothing. The response is out of our control. Bob Russell tells a story where one of his um, Congregation members took him out to lunch and he said, Bob, you're too gentle in telling the gospel. You need to be more straightforward. Now, if you've ever heard Bob Russell preach, that's one of my mentors growing up. My parents who are sitting right over here, every time we'd drive to church on Sunday morning, they would play Bob Russell's sermons on the way to church. And we would always pull into church right as he was getting ready to conclude his message, which is why I never know how any of Bob Russell's messages end 
And I still don't know how to conclude a message to this day because we'd have to get out of the car and go to church when he was concluding. He told me, Bob Russell told me this story. He said, this guy took him out to lunch, said, Bob, you're too gentle, you're too easy, you need to be more straightforward, here's how you do it, let me show you. And the waitress came over and he said, young lady, you need to go to church and you need to get saved and you need to know Jesus. And Bob Russell said, he put his hand in his head and said, oh no. And the, and the, and the waitress said, you're right, would you pray with me? And she got down on her knees and had a prayer right there. Now, that's not the way I'm going to share the gospel. And that's probably not the way you're going to share the gospel. Our goal is to be faithful in sharing the gospel. And then we let God worry about the response. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet sees God in heaven. And he recognizes that he is such a sinner. He said, woe is me, I'm a sinner. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And an angel of the Lord grabs a coal off the altar in heaven and brings it over and places it on Isaiah's lips and says, God has made you clean. And then God says, I need a prophet, a witness. Who will I send? Isaiah said, send me. And God tells Isaiah, you're going to go preach and no one is going to believe you. And Isaiah says, how long? God says, for a very long time. So why did Isaiah go and preach? Because he trusts God for the results and the response. He's just going to be faithful to the call. See, our call is to pray and obey and say and replay. In Matthew chapter 10... Jesus tells his apostles as he gets ready to send them out to preach the kingdom of God is near. He says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will be even brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it's the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Jesus continues a little further down in chapter 10 of Matthew. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. I wonder... I wonder if my times where I was given an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, but I didn't, if I was quiet, I wonder if that counts as denying Jesus before people. Robbie Roberts, the owner of R&L Trucking, uh, about three years ago, four years ago, had a dream where he was sent to hell. And he'll tell people, I felt the fire on my feet and he woke up changed and he started telling everybody he could about Jesus he hired a chaplain for RNL trucking and he said I want you to go and work with all my employees anybody needs prayer they can get it he built a church at the equine center in the middle of the horse equine center so that they could have church on Sundays and through the week anyone who needs it and he started handing out these pocket crosses in all of his business ventures, he went to his lawyers and he said, I, I want to make sure 
that I'm allowed to do this because it's my company. I'm a, I'm a private citizen. I'm allowed public speaking. I'm allowed to tell everybody that I love Jesus, even my employees. They don't have to love Jesus too, but I want to tell them I do and that they can too if they want. And so he makes sure all of his employees can have a little pocket. He is changed and he's growing, but he is faithful to telling people about Jesus. Probably the richest man in Wilmington, and he's got a platform. He's using it. But we don't have to have the platform like C.J. Stroud or Robbie Roberts. We just have to use whatever platform we find. But remember, trust God, and he'll give you what you're going to say, and he'll handle the response. You just have to be faithful. Here's two things to do. Here's two things to do. Make Jesus Christ a part of your everyday conversation and get in a group. Here's what I mean by that. We don't have to just use one platform. Not everybody gets to get on stage and and use that as a platform. We just have to make him part of our conversation everyday life. We don't need to be C.J. Stroud and have a reporter in our face to share the gospel. We just need to make him part of our conversation everywhere we go. And whatever platform we get to use, we're going to have an impact and influence. And we can trust God with that response. Uh, pray, pray, remember, pray, obey, say, pray that God will give you that uh, opportunity and whatever platform you have to share the gospel. Pray for that to happen and then obey and say it. Pray for C.J. Stroud to continue to use his platform. Shoot, pray for Taylor Swift to use her platform. In 2022, Taylor Swift, who has 272 million followers on Instagram, In September of 2022, she said on her Instagram platform to her 272 million followers, don't forget to go register to vote. Here's a website. The website, within one hour, had 1,226% increase in visitors. In September of 2022, on that website, the number of 18-year-olds who registered to vote doubled in September compared to all of 2022 on that one website. 35,000 people registered to vote after Taylor Swift used her platform and asked people to register to vote. Why don't we pray for her to use her platform to tell people about Jesus? So pray. Pray for her. Pray for you. Whatever platform you get. See, I'm not, I have tens of followers on YouTube. And nine of them are my mom. Okay, I'm not going to have that big influence, but I am going to have influence. I just have to use whatever platform Jesus gives me. Now, if you don't have a platform that you're one time, one moment in time, we have a conversation every day. That's your platform. I don't have a platform like Taylor Swift or CJ Stroud. I just have a conversation every day. Would you make it your goal this week before next Sunday just to have one conversation that you include Jesus Christ? See what happens. You can't control the response, but you control whether you're faithful or not. And then finally, uh, get in a group. Hebrews chapter 10. We always talk about this, and we're going to talk about the next several weeks about how important groups are. But Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't quit meeting together. But we forget chapter 10 verse 23, one of the reasons why we keep meeting together. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to the confession of hope. That's telling people about Jesus. 
Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some, continue to meet together, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Get in a group so you can be encouraged by your group to continue to tell people about Jesus. If you're already in a group and that's not one of the things your group does, encourage you to tell people about Jesus, meet with your group leader and say, hey, would you help encourage us to tell people about Jesus? And maybe one of the questions that we ask and one of the questions we pray about every week is, who are you telling about Jesus? Our elders, over the last two years, whenever they start their elders' business meeting, They gather together and they pray, and they'll pray anywhere between 15 and 45 minutes. And then the chairman of our elders will ask every single elder, who did you have a conversation about Jesus with in the past week or month? Who are you telling about Jesus? And you know what? Our elders, they're put on the spot, and they have to come up with answers. And they are. And they'll start telling about, I've been talking to this person about Jesus. I've been telling this person about Jesus. I've been leading this person to Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that in 2023, last year, we, our church baptized more than we have. and We just baptized so many. Well, we're telling people about Jesus. We're praying. We're obeying. We're saying. And then we just repeat. <laughs> Replay. If you get in a group, you'll be encouraged to do that. That's one of the reasons why we get in a group. Last but not least, and then we'll be finished. Did you know that Paul says when we gather together as a group and we participate in communion, we're doing the pray, obey, say, and replay? He says this. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That means you're proclaiming with the bread and the cup, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and his return. Jesus came to earth, he died on the cross and was buried for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and he's gonna come back and get us someday. We have all of that built into our communion. Would you get out your communion packet? If you don't have a communion packet, we have them at each of the door. It has a top cellophane patch, and you pull that back, and that's where the bread is. Would you take out your bread? Would you use this time to remember what Jesus has done for you? He said, take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. Would you participate in the bread? Christ, we praise you because you died on the cross, taking our sin and our shame and our weakness into your body. And God, we know that you punished Jesus' body and the sin there in his body so that we would be saved, so that we wouldn't receive that punishment. Thank you. Would you take out your cup? Jesus says, this is the blood of the covenant poured out in my, this is cup of the covenant poured out in my blood. Paul says that when you participate in this cup, you are participating in the blood of Christ. Would you participate in the cup? God, we're reminded even now that the blood of Christ covers us over and washes us clean. 
I thank you for this opportunity where we get to remember what you have done and we get to proclaim just by chewing bread and drinking the cup your death, burial, resurrection and your soon return. Lord, thank you. We've already started the obedience process of telling others about Jesus in this communion that you told us to repeat and replay every time we gather. So Lord, thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I will never have the opportunity to throw a touchdown and win a playoff game for anything. But every one of us has the opportunity to just have a conversation about Jesus. One is much, much, much more highly valuable than the other. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. God, I thank you that C.J. Stroud is using his platform to tell people about Jesus. God, I thank you that you give us instructions and an example on how to follow to do the same. God, would you please give us the courage, the boldness. Would you give us more courage to share the gospel? And then, God, we need more of you to show up when we do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.